Welcome once again. If you are new with us, we are in week three of this little series that we're calling The Unwritten, and it is part of a year-long journey that we've been looking at called The Whole Shebang. And The Unwritten represents the part of the story that is happening right now. It's the, it's the part where we get to play a role in the story, that we have a role in God's overall grand story that we've been referring to as the whole shebang, the overall story of humanity. That the unwritten, with regard to the unwritten part and our character development, great stories have great characters. So if we want our lives to be a great story, then we need to be persons of great character. Last week, Vicki uh, did a great job of drawing from her experience as a writer to uh, talk about how round and dynamic characters are developed, that a writer will often say, okay, this is going to be a main character, so I want to know who this person is, and so a character chart will be created. A character chart is going to ask the essential questions of the the history of that person, where that person was born, and uh, what kind of pets that person might have had, and the the parents, and who would be that person's favorite NHL hockey team, and the essentials in terms of identifying who a person might be. And she did did a great job of, of saying how significant that is in the development of a character in a story. And then the flip side of that for us is as we think about developing our character, Are we aware of our own character chart? Have we spent some time just reflecting and thinking through who we are? What what are the pieces that make up who we are? Now, this morning, we're kind of taking all that and saying, okay, where is this character heading? Where is this character going? What is the end game? What is the goal? What is this character's quest? That's where we're going today. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would uh, allow us to focus clearly today on your specific communication with us about our character, about our quest, God. I know there's so many things going on, so many details having to do with today. It's hard to think so much beyond that. And so, Father, I pray that you'd give us the ability to do that, that we would think big picture right now, that you would just give us headspace and heart space to go there today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the writer of a good story is not going to have characters change randomly for no reason, unless, of course, that person is writing a soap opera. Uh, then, you know, and I haven't watched a soap opera in about 25 years since uh, my grandma used to babysit me when I was sick. But what I remember is things like, Shauna, I'm alive. I didn't die in that car crash three years ago. And, well, and there's a lot of things going behind the scenes where you need to bring that character back. And so th- those are kind of, kind of some, some dynamic uh, characters that are just motivated by something uh, a little bit different. But for the most part, a good writer is going to want to take a character somewhere. What is the purpose? Where is this character going? Indiana Jones, it was very clear. In the first movie, he was all about the Ark of the Covenant. Second movie is all about those glowing stones from the freaky guy who reaches into hearts and all that stuff. And then in the third one, it was all about the cup of Christ. That they were, and then in the fourth one, we're really not sure what he was going after. That's why it was kind of a bad movie. But, but there's this thing, there's this clarity about the main character is going after something. They're trying to save the world. They're trying to survive the attack. They're trying to get the girl, uh, the main character is, is clearly heading after something, going after something. 
that a, a character is no more or no less than what he or she wants. In so many ways, we are defined by the quest or quests we have in life. I think what happens so often in the lives that we live is we spend so much of our time looking at some of the issues on the character chart, some of the uh, uh, things that maybe we see on the very beginning of our character chart, and we spend a lot of time addressing those issues, things like hair color and teeth color, and say, okay, instantly, what can I do about this? What can I do about my body to uh, change this or, or improve this or whatever? I want a nicer car. I want a nicer house. I want nicer clothes or whatever. That we go after some of these pieces that are on our character chart, and they help define who we are, but we spend a whole lot of time on those things, and that's really not that interesting of a story. I mean, it's really not that great of a story. That we, don't, we don't go to movies that are all about that stuff. We go to movies and we read books that are beyond going after those pieces, that go uh, into something so much more, so much bigger. What is the character quest? What happens is we end up being reactive as opposed to being proactive so often in terms of uh, our drive, what drives us that we re- react to or respond to the situations around us, the dilemmas, the problems, the fears that we might have, the anger that surfaces within us, and we address those things and go after those things. That so often is the thing that drives us or determines how we're going to uh, put our energies and uh, instead of being proactive in terms of saying, okay, wait, 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 let's just, let's just slow this down for a moment and say, where does God want to take me? What, what, what is the long-term goal here? How, how can I put my energies towards that instead of just responding to all the things that are going on around us? A character quest is something that is proactive rather than just reactive. There's a story I want to take a look at from the Bible um, about a character who was on a character quest. And this is a story that we are all familiar with, yet we haven't talked about it in the whole shebang journey yet. It's the story about uh, a great man of character that God gave a very specific quest to. Noah was told when he was 480 years old, told specifically by God to build a boat 450 feet long. 450 feet. It wasn't until the 19th century that humans built boats anywhere near that size. Yet this was built thousands of years prior to that. The boat had 1.5 million cubic feet of space in it. 1.5 million. That means that there's plenty of space for thousands of species of animals and birds. Modern shipbuilders say that the dimensions that this boat was built, that the ratio of depth to width to height, which is 30 by 5 by 3, that ratio is the is the right ratio. It is the perfect ratio for managing rough seas in order to have stability for some kind of craft on the water. This thing is a, is a marvel of engineering. Way, way, way ahead of its time. It's an incredible quest. The story we find in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. I want to spend a few moments there. Genesis chapter 6 is where, we, where the story begins. And we're going to start to read in verse 5. 
Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That's a rough place to start a story. I mean, this was a very bold and sobering summary of the human condition. Verse 6, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was the one to whom God gave this quest, and Noah was the only one to whom God gave this quest. Noah was the only one. There's something powerful about a quest from God that says, if you don't do it, it will not get done. See, a quest from God is not something that we borrow from somebody else, steal from somebody else, copy from somebody else, pass on to some, somebody else. A quest from God, our character quest, is something that takes all of our character chart in mind and says, what can this person uniquely do in the kingdom that nobody else can? You say that a number of times around here, but that, that has to be imprinted on you. There's something God wants you to do that if you don't do it, it won't get done. Noah was the only one that God had identified to build the ark. We know the story. Then uh, Noah uh, uh, builds the ark, and uh, then they all climb in, and they close the door, and they're, they're sitting in the ark for seven days, and they're just kind of leaning on the, on the edge, and people are walking around and kind of walking by going, what's the deal? This 450-foot boat in the middle of there, and you've seen that movie, and, and, uh, and, and the whole deal. After seven days, Noah's probably wondering a little bit, uh-oh. And, and then after seven days, and then it rains for 40 days. Jump with me in the story to chapter 7, verse 20. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. See, that's the part of the story that doesn't normally make it on the wallpaper in our kids' bedroom. That's the part that doesn't make it on the pretty little Noah's Ark pillow. My daughter has a plastic Noah's Ark little game and you open it up and it's got little Noah and his wife and it's got all doubles of all the animals and, and it's got the elephant and then the girl elephant has eyelashes so you can tell the difference apart because it's really hard to tell the difference with elephants and, and so there's a pair of each of the animals and, and sometimes I wonder how interesting it would be if the set was complete and had uh, little plastic uh, uh, people with X's over their eyes that you could just kind of lay around outside the dead people floating in the water uh, around the thing. Okay, uh, this is a gruesome story. I mean, it's a cute little thing. But this is a gruesome story showing the power of God, showing God's incredible distaste for human sin. We just kind of have to step back every once in a while and realize what happened with this story. So then they are floating for 150 days, and then it's actually weeks and weeks after that before the door eventually opens. The door of the ark eventually opens. Jump with me to uh, chapter 8, verse 19. 
all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth, came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. I read that and I think, what a bummer it would have been for those animals. I mean, here they were the ones who were chosen to be the few select ones to go on the ark, and then as soon as the door opens, they're the ones sacrificed. Doesn't, I, I, even, I read that and I wonder if, what would have happened if Noah had made a mistake, and he, and he just went and he, he killed a saber-toothed tiger, and then realized later, oh, this wasn't one of the extras, oh, my bad, uh, and, and may, but... Uh, Anyway, the point of, of, uh, of Noah's story that I kind of want to look at today is that he was on a, a specific and direct quest from God, and it took him 120 years to build the boat. God asked him when he was 480 years old. I, I, I can't understand those kind of numbers, but it took him 120 years to build the boat. He was 600 when he walked onto the boat with his wife and his three boys and their wives and thousands of species of animals and birds. He was 600 years old. 120 years it took him to build a boat. How many times during those 120 years do you think Noah said, forget it? How many times in that journey that we don't see in the story here was he frustrated, discouraged with regard to his quest? How many times did that happen? How many times... Do you imagine he was just fed up with the ridicule and the scoffing of those who, his uh, friends and neighbors who would be walking by? And the fact that he's not making any money on this deal. He's not, he's not taking care of his family through all this. He's building a boat simply because God asked him to. How frustrating would that have been? See, the amazing thing about Noah's story, the reason that we remember Noah's story is not because he had an incredible quest from God. It's because he completed that quest. It's because he built the boat. He persevered through all that. We remember the story because he built the boat. We are here today because he built the boat. Now, it would be a reasonable challenge or question from you this morning to say, yeah, but that's not fair. Noah was given clear instructions. He was given numbers. Some of you are numbers people. Somebody told me, build a boat 450 feet long. If God told you that, you might be more inclined to do that. It's not fair. Well, really, how would we have responded? Really? And you might assume here this morning as we're talking about a character quest, what is God's purpose and plan for my life? We're all interested in that. You might assume that where we're going today is a generic, go for it, is a generic, so take some time, find out what God's unique quest is for your life, and then do it, and let me know how that goes. That can be a frustrating challenge. Maybe some of us have heard that challenge before and gone, you know, I'd love to, haven't heard the number 450 yet. That can be a frustrating challenge. So, I've decided to do something different today. I'm not going to give you a generic challenge. I am going to give you a specific challenge quest. There you are. Here you go. One quest in the form of five words. It's one little phrase, five words in your program there. I don't normally do blanks, but here you've got five words ready to go. Get a, get a, get a, a writing stick out. And some of you are going, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't trust you. But you can get this out. Five words. I'm going to give you a character quest. 
Five words. Are you ready? I'm sorry. Actually, before I do that, let me just, before I do that, I want to just mention one thing that our character quest is not. Okay. Something that our character quest is not. Last week, Vicki talked about our fatal flaw. As we developed our character chart, one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves is, what is our typical fatal flaw, the thing that typically gets in the way? Eradicating our fatal flaw is not our character quest. That is not our quest in life. Good luck completely removing lust or selfishness or whatever your fatal flaw issue is. Good luck completely removing that from your story. James talks about his thorn, uh, sorry, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. And he doesn't say, when he talks about the thorn in the flesh, he doesn't say that his role, his, his quest is to remove the thorn. He talks about pressing on towards the goal And then, okay, where does the thorn in the flesh fit into it? So as we think about a character quest and we think about our fatal flaw, if we focus on the fatal flaw, that's reactive rather than proactive. And so as we think about our our character quest, we can be mindful of how might this fatal flaw get in the way of where God's taken me. Be mindful of that very, very important question in terms of understanding ourselves. But eradicating the fatal flaw, that is not our quest. Okay, so... Five words, character quest. Actually, before I go there, um, (laughs) I I was reminded as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a quote that I heard from Madonna recently. I just thought that was really interesting in terms of an overall quest. Okay, we have this up on the screen. Madonna said recently, I have an iron will, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. I love the honesty of this woman. She is a smart, self-aware woman. And I love the honesty of her talking about the spinning wheels of what she has been going after her whole life and struggling with mediocrity. Again, I I just love the the honesty of that. It's okay to go after success and fame and and whatever might be a part of your natural uh, uh, earthly journey of of what kind of drives you. It's okay to go after those things, but so often those things can, can lead to futility. And I think when I read that, I think about the importance of our quest and of our story fitting into God's story. That's why I think the whole shebang is so important as far as as far as making decisions for our next steps in life, is understanding what is God's story. And so then what does God want me to do in light of his story? God's story, for instance, is to reach the nations of the world. Okay, well, how might that have an impact? For example, look at the Hopers. How might that have an impact on how I am going to go after my character quest? How does our story fit into God's overall whole shebang story. Okay. A specific character quest. Five words. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Uh, instead of hearing it from me, instead of me just giving you, you knew I was going to do that, didn't you? Instead of me just giving you five words, I, now this is, I'm going there. I'm going there right now. I want to read one verse from Jesus in John chapter 5. In fact, I'm going to have it up on a screen here. John chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus says this, How can you believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, the praise of others, the praise of men and women around us, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? Can you leave that up there for just a moment, please? Four words. Seek the praise of God. Allow your character quest, your thinking through this part of your life to go through the filter. Seek the praise of God. The praise of others it has, has natural draw for us. I mean, it is, it is a huge deal for us. It, it's what allows us to get promotions. It's what gives us raise. It makes us feel good in social situations. We just feel naturally good when we get the praise of others. There are, there are, there are obvious, natural, tangible benefits to experiencing the praise of others. Absolutely. In fact, think about what drives you and what, what parts of your life are not driven, at least in some way, by the praise of others. I mean, this is a, this is a big draw for us. It is, a big, it is a big push. But if we are seeking the praise of others and make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God, that's where we fall into Madonna's story. That's where the wheels spin. That's where it gets frustrating when we lose sight of, of our character quest being shaped by seeking the praise of God. I think that's where it can get so frustrating. In fact, sometimes I think that our seeking the praise of others can be in the opposite direction of where God wants us to go. And it's a powerful pull getting the praise of others. Noah did not get much praise from others as he was building the boat. There's no evidence of that. In fact, we can assume pretty confidently that he was ridiculed throughout that whole journey. He did not get the praise of others. He sought the praise of God. The Hofers, as they, as they make this courageous journey in their lives, this is not a wise decision for them professionally. I mean, they are not getting praise of coworkers saying, wow, this, is, this totally makes sense. Good for you. That is not what's driving their story. They're saying, okay, I understand God's whole shebang story. I want to be a part of it. I trust you, God. This is my understanding right now of what you want for me and my family. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I, I mentioned last year, we went through the whole shebang in a different way last year. And I, I mentioned that I have, I have four goals in, in my life. I just want to kind of remind you of them. That a number of years ago, I, I did a, a retreat and just spent some quiet time with God and I really multiple pages of journaling and really wanted to go after, okay, God, what kind of language can I have in terms of shaping my proactive thoughts towards the future? And it broke down into four different areas where I have a unique role, where I have a unique responsibility that I, my, my quest is to have a wife who's radiant, that she uh, knows in her head 
that she's, that she's radiant, that she knows physically that she's radiant, that she feels emotionally that she's radiant. That's my responsibility to pour into that. I have good days and bad days. But that's my job. My quest is to have kids who want to model themselves after me and my wife. That if, if my faith is not genuine, my kids are going to know about it. So my long term, I want my kids to be able to say, they get to make the decision on their own in terms of, of following Christ. That's their deal. But I want them to at least be able to say, my parents' faith was genuine. With regard to my role here, I want to be around and, and, and have a role in terms of people having good habits. That we are not just this uh, happy gathering here uh, as, as a church, but that we are learning how to live differently. We are having habits that flow way beyond the Sunday morning experience, that flow into our daily encounter with God. And then my fourth one, which is the most important one, my question in life is I want my God, my Father in heaven, to be proud of me. I want God to be proud of me behind closed doors when no one else is watching. And it's the same exact language about seeking the praise of God. Seeking the praise of God. See, I'm not going to impress God with my accomplishments, with my quest. I'm not going to impress him. I'm like a four-year-old sitting at his feet trying to tie my shoes. I'm not going to impress him, but I could make him proud of me. I want in my life to be able to seek the praise of God over and above, way over and above, the praise of others. Noah had 120 years to build the ark. And sometimes, I think, maybe if, even if we get a glimpse of what our quest is, of what, what God is, is challenging us to be a part of, so I think sometimes we think we have 120 years to work on it. We have a quest here as a church. One of the things that we believe God has called us to be a part of is, is inspiring and encouraging and, and pouring into marriages and families here in this church and here in, in this community. And I'm reminded on a regular basis of the urgency of that quest. That right here in this room, right now, there are men who are stumbling, who are falling. Right here in this room, right now, there are wives and there are moms who are at the very end of their rope. There are, there are marriages that are falling apart there are struggles with our kids. The national average for divorce is a little over 50%. In Maricopa County, let me remind you, the percentage is around 74% here in this area. It's an epidemic. There is a sense of urgency as far as our role, as far as our having a, a, a role to play in this quest and doing something about this for the, for the kingdom, for the for the according to the character of God, that we would do something about that. That my character as a pastor here and our character as a church is to do something about it now. Now. There's an urgency to that. That we don't want to be just this happy little safe church. That, whoo, there, there is a part of this where we say we've got a job to do. And there's a responsibility for us to lean forward into that. What about you and your personal life? Is there any urgency that you sense in terms of, of the quest that God has for you? Whether it has to do with your family or your work or your relationship with God or your relationship with your neighbors. Small and large things. Do you sense any urgency with that? 
any urgency to make some kind of steps towards seeking the praise of God over and above the praise of others. Is there any urgency to that? We're going to close here today. And for the next, I mean, we've, we've got 10 minutes. And for the next couple songs, for the next moment, we're going to take the opportunity to just seek the praise of God and to just, to just focus and respond to God. If you're new with us, so what we do uh, as a response to whatever God might be doing here in this moment is we have a number of different options for how we can respond to that. They're listed in your program if you'd like some more information, details about that. For the next couple songs, you can stay where you are. You can kind of journal and think through and respond. You can uh, worship and sing and just connect with the music in that way. Communion will be offered in the center, right in the center of the room. Communion is for those who are followers of Christ so that you can be reminded of the presence of Christ being in you. There are... Um, Folks from our prayer team at either of the exit doors who would love to pray with you about anything you're interested in. We have uh, to your right over here, we're going to have persons from our uh, board or from the pastoral staff who would love to anoint you with oil, that you can be anointed for healing in whatever area of life. Over here we have candles. You can come and light a candle remembering that this is a symbol of the light of Christ shining in some area of your life or the life of someone you care about. And at the front here, this will be an area of sacred prayer, of um, uninterrupted prayer. You can come here. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can I pray with you? This is you and God right here. Seek the praise of God right here. I do ask, uh, if you're coming for the candles, if you would uh, make the line up in this aisle here and kind of keep this open for those who want to pray. Just kind of don't gather up in this area. If you could, just kind of line up over there. Let this be a place for those who want to pray. And then over here to our left is, uh, is a cross. There's little red pieces of paper. You can come and write something on there. Maybe there's something get in the way of you seeking the praise of God. You can write it on there and nail it to the cross. Leave it here. Leave it here. Would you stand with me as I pray and then we'll launch into a time of response to God. Father, thank you that you have a character quest for each person in this room. And for some of us, some things that have come to mind will be as courageous as taking a family of six to the other side of the world, to India. Some of the things going on in our lives will require that level of courage. And maybe that's why they haven't been done yet. Our steps haven't been taken toward that. Father, I pray in these these next few moments that your Holy Spirit would have his way. That there would be movement towards seeking your praise. God, may we just be filtered this morning from, from seeking the praise of men and women. That we would be all about seeking your praise. Seek the praise of God. Father, we want you to be proud of us and our decisions. We want to make you proud, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.